Welcome back to Beyond Well. I'm Sheila Hamilton along with Dr. Jenna Lejeune. And this is a program for people who want to learn more about their interior lives. During COVID-19, we're broadcasting from our closets and our home offices. And it appears, Jenna, that this is going to be the new normal for a while. It certainly does. I'm getting comfy here. Yeah, no kidding. There's so many people um, I have talked with that say for the first time in their lives, they are really struggling with the question of eating, the, 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 the uh, obsession around eating or the avoidance of eating. Tell me, first of all, is it kind of the same thing, restricting and overeating? Well, most of the time, for most of the people that I work with and most of the people I know in my regular life, including myself as a human, it usually it is the same thing um, and it has to do with trying to manage or control our internal experience so our feelings generally um, and we do that through lots of different ways and food is one of the primary ways primary tools that we use to control our internal experience and that could be controlling it by either being very restrictive or being very rigid or disciplined and or binging, eating out of boredom, those things. Okay, so how early does this kind of patterning begin, Jenna? You can think about when you raised your own kids, like when they're bored, did you offer them food? When they're fussy, did you offer them food, right? Like we get trained and we live in a culture that food is something that is to be used to manage our feelings in certain ways. So, I mean, certainly by the time especially girls, but also increasingly boys, get to puberty, uh, food is already for many of them, um, and weight, a, a, a big issue that they're trying to kind of control. So, you know, it's interesting to me because especially with Instagram, it's not like you can even come of age without a really huge comparison of other people's bodies and what is considered the ideal, right? Well, you can't walk into your pediatrician's office without the very first thing happening is your child getting weighed and then getting compared of how do you, how does your child fall on this scale of what is quote unquote normal or quote unquote healthy. So, I mean, it isn't just Instagram, but that does not help. I'm so fascinated now by um, how a pandemic has increased these impulses First of all, is it because we're home and near the refrigerator all the time that it's a bigger issue and well, that we're not distracted by work, by other people, by all of the other running around that we used to do? Absolutely. I mean, that is certainly the case for me, for everybody that I talk to. It's just harder when you're in your home and food is always available to you. And again, it can go both ways. It's always available so you're always wanting it or it's always available so it's frightening to you and you're feeling very rigid and wanting to control it. Wow. Um, so yes, it is much, much harder. It is also during this time, we're feeling a lot more difficult and painful emotions that we don't know what to do with. There's a tremendous amount of anxiety. There's a tremendous amount of uncertainty. And if there is one thing we humans like, it is certainty. We do not like ambiguity. Mm -hmm. And so when there's so much uncertainty in our world, we will do things to try and control our experience. And food's a great way to, or an easy way, not great as in useful, but easy way to do that. I, I've been thinking about that. If this feeling, this urge is driving me crazy. I'm hungry all the time. I'm hungry sure. all the time. 
Sure. And I know it's because I'm grief stricken all the time. Yeah. How would you respond to that, Jenna? Yeah, I would start with the very first thing she said, which is this feeling is driving me crazy. And that's where you have to start. You have to start, I think, by being able to make space for whatever feeling that actually is. It is very unlikely that it is that your body has changed, your metabolism has changed so dramatically overnight that you are now hungry and need those calories all of the time. Right. It really is probably that you're experiencing this feeling that psychologically you're saying, I can't stand this. And so ways to kind of create more space to the, with, with that feeling is to be curious about it. What actually does this feel like in my body? What are the colors? What are the textures of it? What's a metaphor of what it feels like? Can I paint what it feels like? What are some emotion words that might sound like this feeling? So those are ways that you can kind of lean into it and get to know it a little bit more. And once you create space for it, it stops pushing you around. Okay, so I, I want to really go through this, like, mm -hmm. like, like a practice. Okay. You've, you've had breakfast. Uh, it's 1030 you're starving again, um, or you haven't had breakfast, you've restricted all morning long. Um, right. what, what, what is the practice when you say, try to make space for it? I want you just to walk me through all, either the mindfulness meditation or the pause that you do before you restrict further or go to the refrigerator. The first thing I would want to know is, you sound frustrated with yourself right now as you're feeling this. Is that, what, is that what's happening? Are you like irritated that you're feeling this way? What's happening there? Yeah, because it feels completely out of control. Mm -hmm. And mm -hmm. I like it as a person, as a human being, I love to be in control, of course. Yeah, yeah. And my guess is, is that there's some like criticism and self-frustration there that, gosh, it shouldn't be this way. I just ate breakfast or I never used to get this hungry. Why am I so hungry right now? What's wrong with me? Is there some of that criticism as well? Yes, I feel like I should have higher goals and better aspirations for myself than constantly thinking about food. Sure, yeah. So, so what's happening here is you have this feeling, we don't know what it is yet, maybe frustration, maybe boredom, maybe something. And then your immediate response to that is to lob on a whole bunch of shame and a whole bunch of self-criticism. And that's very understandable because this is frustrating for you. But what's one of the main things that we do when we are feeling beat up? We go and eat food or we try and restrict food. We try and control that in some way. So I think the very first thing for you to do there, Sheila, is to pause and just say, wow, oh, this is really hard right now. And how would I wanna to respond to a friend or a loved one that was having a hard time with this? I might say something like, yeah, that's really understandable, Sheila. It's tough right now. So you have to start from a place of compassion and openness. And then you might say something like, so what do you think you might be feeling right now? Do you, do you know what you're feeling in your body? If I thought about it, um, I think there's just a deep, deep grief around yeah. the loss of friends and family and um, consistent yeah. work and yeah. financial security. 
Yeah. All of those things. Yeah. Yeah. And I can even see that on your face as that sort of shows up for you. And so it would make so much sense, right? That you're doing whatever you know how to do to try and soothe that grief. Mm. But then I'm like, when you do eat or when you do restrict as a way to soothe that grief, what's your experience of what happens like immediately afterwards? Well, I mean, I think that the feeling of shame for using um, something other than, uh, for using a device that's other than positive <laughs> um, over, yeah. overtakes, uh, yeah. overtakes the, the human being. And w- once again, it's kind of a cyclical thing. Sure, sure. But do you notice, like, it probably does work in the short run you're not feeling grief anymore. You're not aware of that because the shame has taken over. And now you're just focused on, I'm this terrible person because I failed and eaten this or whatever it is, right? And so it is this real cyclical pattern, but it works in that short run. And what I would say is just even notice your language there. Like you said, I'm using this thing that's not a positive thing. And like you're you're labeling it as good and bad versus just saying like, is this really what I need right now? Is this meeting my needs? If grief is the feeling, then maybe what you're actually needing, maybe the gift to yourself is connection. Mm. And so the whole way we're talking about this, Sheila, just even kind of notice the tone of my voice. I'm trying really hard to to watch like that self-critical voice, how it can be harsh because we often think discipline is the thing we need to do, be more disciplined around food. And it's actually the opposite. It's exactly the opposite. It's about being kind and understanding and open. And then you might be able to figure out, oh, actually, what am I feeling? It may not be hunger right now. Mm. Wow, I love that role play, Jenna. Thank you so much. Yeah. The issue of mindfulness around food consumption has been interesting to me because in many ways, I kind of feel like that's a middle to upper class problem that you get to actually <laughs> have to, you know, be mindful about your food. Whereas if yeah. you're poverty stricken and food is just for sustenance, you don't really have to be that mindful about it. But why do we uh, need to take that pause before we consume or before we restrict to actually determine, is this nutritious Is this something that's going to help my body? How am I viewing my food? I do think people who have lower resources might still be using food to soothe. They are often using food in the same way. They don't have the resources to be able to go buy the organic foods. This is a human problem. And then why it's so important is, is because, as you said, this can become this like cyclical cycle of shame it can become this place where we are in a battle with our own bodies and our own experience of things. And when we are treating our bodies like we're in a battle with them, imagine then how that is about how you're interacting with other people. Mm. Your um, kind of capacity to be kind and generous and open to other people gets more limited as well. You know, this is the one body we're going to get to inhabit in this life. Yeah. And caring well for it might be a value that you would choose to have. Mm, I love that so much. If there was something that you could say for parents who want to be able to raise their kids without some of the complexity of these 
disordered thinking, disordered Mm -hmm. ways Mm -hmm. of viewing food. What would be some of those tips, Jenna? Yeah, my suggestion to parents would be, I wouldn't focus initially or primarily on the food part of it. I would focus primarily on the acceptance of thoughts and feelings part of it. So I hear so many programs for parents about like teaching your kids healthy eating habits and and that sort of stuff. And that's fine, but it focuses too far down the line. We first have to help our kids focus on feelings, even if they're really painful, even if they feel scary and overwhelming are not dangerous, that all feelings are okay, and we need to be able to be open and make space for those feelings. And then food doesn't need to be a tool to try and control or manage those thoughts and feelings. Oh, that's beautiful. I think one of the issues around weight and body control, getting back to the image and the pressure mm-hmm. of Instagram, it is about being the right number being the right size, right, right, you know, American prototype of what is considered beautiful. What I'd like you to speak to is how we also help kids develop more worldview of what beauty is. I would say a large part of this, large part of this responsibility is on the media and having a variety of images that is in our media. The Mm. problem is not that we hold up this this kind of ideal beauty. The problem is how narrow it is. It is Mm. always exactly the same image. So we need to have examples of people with different body shapes, of different colors, different abilities, um, so that kids just sort of see oh, what is normal and beautiful is this wide variety. So that's one thing. Other things to do are simply like exposing your kids to other cultures. The U.S. and Western Europe and sort of most of Australia have one version of beauty, but that is not the way it is in a lot of the rest of the world and certainly has not been that way throughout history. And so teaching our kids, you know, through art or through traveling about, look at how beautiful, look at what beauty is in all these different cultures. Mm -hmm. And to just simply like ask your kids, what's appealing to you? Because so often our kids get told this is what's beautiful Mm. versus being curious for your child like, oh, what do you find beautiful about that picture or that that image? Yeah. That's so much. Um, I've been thinking about the number of people who are saying they're they're calling this the COVID-19, meaning 19 extra pounds. Yeah, absolutely. Which is Mm -hmm. hilarious. But I also think about if we switched it to say, that you are taking up more space in the world in a really profoundly gentle and open way, that you've gained the weight of wisdom, that you've gained, you know, we always associate weirdly weight gain with something that's awful. But if at that time we've deepened our experience as human beings, isn't that in the long run way more interesting and actually valuable than some number on a scale? Yeah, the number on the scale is is really problematic and like focusing on that. And I think, unfortunately, part of what's been happening with COVID is the term like obesity keeps getting thrown around yeah. as a risk factor. But what I would say here is not focus so much on the weight part, but your rich experience of what COVID has been. So it isn't all horrific. 
there are also positive things that you have gained through COVID. Mm -hmm. And that isn't just to put a positive spin on it. There is also a lot of pain as well. And some of that has weight to it as well. It weighs us down. But just thinking about those three numbers on the scale is not a helpful thing for almost anybody. Whether it's about food or weight or your struggles with your body or struggles with drinking too much or whatever it might be, this is a really, really difficult time for a lot of us. And if you could just sort of say, I am really trying the very best that I can to deal with a situation I've never had to deal with before, and I might not be getting it perfect. What I want to do is to be able to learn what, what works and what isn't working, rather than just beating yourself up about it. Like, try and cut yourself a little slack, give yourself some grace, and also give yourself some hope of you're learning here. You're going through a learning process. You'll figure this out. Dr. Jenna Lejeune, it's why we love you so much. Thank you again. And our program is brought to us by Cedar Hills Hospital. If you like the program, please give us a thumbs up at iTunes or wherever it is you listen and make it a great day.